Hello, podcast listeners. Welcome back to another edition of Piano Rhapsody, an amateur's guide to classical piano. This is a podcast where you follow my journey as an amateur piano player with the goal of playing Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue one day, hopefully on this very podcast. But it's going to take time, though, and we need to build up to get there. So until we reach that point, every week we dissect a piece of music that I encounter along the road and explore its historical bones and musical guts. What? Uh, I'm just following the dissection metaphor. This is episode 4.4, the fourth episode in a series discussing pieces from Bergmuller's Opus 100, 25 Easy and Progressive Etudes. We're going to round out the back end of this work during the next two episodes, but before we get into the first etude of the day, I wanted to give a quick update about the podcast. A fellow listener and piano player wrote to me and had an excellent suggestion. Since most of the pieces we discuss on this podcast are part of the public domain and no longer prone to copyright law, why not include links to the sheet music? So I went ahead and added links to the public domain sheet music for all of the pieces in the backlog that apply. If you are a piano player yourself and find yourself interested in learning one of the pieces we talk about during this podcast, check out the episode descriptions of the standalone recording episodes to find these links. Some of the pieces are either too recent or too uncommon to be found in the public domain archives, but I provided links for all the pieces I can find. And I'll continue to keep this up in the future. So thanks for the great idea, Miriam. I hope you listen to this episode and hear the shout out. Alright, let's get back to it. Today, we are going to open up with etude number 18, titled Inquietude. Inquietude is defined as physical or mental restlessness or disturbance. Basically, this piece is a reflection of a minor anxiety attack. Relentless is a perfect word, because it is composed of a rapid, constant stream of 16th notes that bounce from the left hand to the right hand from the beginning to the end. So maybe now's a good time for a little basic run-through of musical math. The numerical names for notes relate to rhythm and tell you how long each note should be played. These numerical names are based upon the standard common meter of 4-4, meaning the top number 4 tells us that there are 4 beats per measure, and the bottom number 4 tells us that a quarter note is the equivalent of one of those beats. So let's start with the quarter note, because it's the basic unit of time in music. In 4-4 time, it takes four quarter notes to fill a measure. One, two, three, four. That's where the name quarter is derived, because one quarter note is a quarter of a measure. So in order to illustrate rhythm, our old friend Mr. Metronome has agreed to come back and help us out. Here's an example of two measures of quarter notes. But what if we want our notes to last a little longer? Well, we could use a note that lasts for two beats. It would take two of these notes to fill a measure of four beats, because two plus two equals four. So one of these notes is half of a measure which is why they're called half notes. So let's hear an example of half notes with the metronome. One, two, three, four. 
But what if we still want a longer note? Well, we could play a note that lasts for four beats. That's one note to fill the whole measure. So that's why they aptly named it a whole note. Cue the metronome. Okay, but what if we want to play notes more rapidly than a single quarter note? Well, we're in luck, because we can start to cut a beat into fractions. The first step in quickening the rhythm would be to cut a quarter note in half, so that each note gets half of a beat. And if we check our math, it takes four quarter notes to fill a measure, so it would take eight of these notes. That is why we call them eighth notes. And here's what that would sound like. Dare we go faster still? We can cut each quarter note into four, giving each one of these notes a quarter of a beat. The math here checks out that 16 of these notes would be necessary to fill a measure. And yes, by now I imagine you could guess. These are what we call 16th notes. So one last time with the metronome. So that's a rundown of the most basic rhythmic patterns used in music. There are definitely more than that, and they could start to seriously complicate things. But whole notes to 16th notes will get you through a healthy amount of music. And 16th notes are the backbone to the rhythm of this entire etude. It's a non-stop stream of 16th notes, which gives off a feeling of frenetic anxiety. So let's listen to Bergmuller's Etude No. 18 from Opus 100, titled Inquietude. It's a short-lived panic attack, so let's pop a volume and continue on. The next etude on the docket is number 20, titled Tarantella. A Tarantella is an Italian folk dance, and it has an interesting history. It's believed to have originated during the 16th and 17th centuries in the southern Italian province of Taranto, which is apparently a common home for spiders. Italians at this time used the term tarantula to describe pretty much any big hairy spider they saw. The term was pretty inclusive. So even though some of these quote-unquote tarantulas were harmless to humans, they were widely believed to be venomous at the time. And a bite from one of these spiders was believed to cause a condition called tarantism, which made the victim manic and restless. 
which probably was just the physical manifestations of deadly venom coursing through the victim's veins. There's a bit of skepticism and controversy regarding Tarantism as an actual medical condition. Or maybe it's just possibly the effect of social and cultural conditioning. While not all of the Italian tarantulas were venomous, this condition might have been linked to the bite of a Mediterranean black widow spider, which is a poisonous spider native to southern Italy. Either way you want to slice it, call it Tarantism or dying of black widow venom. The Italians at the time, who clearly had medical knowledge beyond their years, believed that the cure for these spider bites was, get this, dancing. And thus, the Tarantella was born. This was a style of dance that spider bite victims danced to in order to literally save their lives. It's a fast dance with a bouncy feel that embodies twisting and turning. Here's an example of the style with Bergmuller's etude. The idea was that the victim would dance faster and faster and faster until they passed out. Then when they woke up, they were healed. Who needs modern medicine? I guess the idea was that they would sweat out all of the spider venom, but I would not recommend this approach. I would much prefer to take the dose of anti-venom any day. Because if I had to rely on my own dancing skills to save my life, I'd probably die. During performances of Tarantellas, there's typically a duel between a dancer and a drummer, where each party challenges the other to perform faster and faster until either the dancer drops or the drummer's hands can't keep up. Tarantellas are commonly written in 6-8 time, meaning that there are 6 eighth notes per measure. And these are usually organized in two groups of three. So it simultaneously has a feeling of two, while also having a feeling of six. You may laugh, but probably the most popular example of a tarantella is Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo from Cinderella. To illustrate my point before of having simultaneously a six and a two feel, just listen to the syllables of Bibbidi Bobbidi. One, two, three, four, five, six. Bibbity bobbity. Just make sure you're home by midnight. Bergmuller's Tarantella also follows this 6 8 feel. It's quick, it's lively, it's bouncy, and it personifies a dancer manically twirling to save their life. This is Bergmuller's Etude number 20 from Opus 100 Tarantella.
to round out this episode, I thought we would venture to a more reflective tone with Etude number 21, titled Angel's Voices. This is an arpeggiated etude that calls back to the prelude we discussed in episode 2.1, Bach's Prelude in C Major. This etude is written in a similar style, no clear-cut melody, but it's a harmonic progression of broken chords. Now for kicks, let's just listen to the beginning of Bach's Prelude in C Major again. The key is different. Bergmuller swaps C major for the key of G major. And the rhythm is different. Bergmuller trades straight eighth notes for a triplet feel. But I think these two pieces are related. Maybe not siblings, but second cousins or something. Bergmuller likely wrote this etude as an exercise in pedaling. Most modern pianos have three pedals attached to them, but today we're going to focus on the most popular and commonly used one, the one on the right, called the damper pedal, or the sustain pedal, or sometimes even called the soul of the piano. When this pedal is depressed, it triggers the dampers of the piano off the strings, which allows the strings to keep vibrating even after the piano key is released. This allows tones to blend together and ring out, even after you take your hands off the keys. It's a true gift for the piano player, but can also be a crutch if it's relied on too heavily or not utilized appropriately. Let me show you what I mean. First, let's have another listen to the first couple bars of this etude. Now, I'm going to play the first couple bars of this etude without the pedal at all, so you can hear what effect the pedal adds to the piece. And that blended sound is completely gone. So now, let me abuse the pedal. I'm going to incorrectly play the opening by leaving the damper pedal down the entire time and blend all of the notes together. So you can hear that it just becomes a muddy mess. This etude is a good exercise in practicing how to effectively pedal. Striking a balance of keeping the notes happily blended, but keeping it clean without that muddy sound. And this just requires periodic lifting of the pedal to reset the dampers, but the timing is essential. Too much lifting, and you lose the blend. Too little, and it sounds muddy. It's just one more thing to think about as you're trying to read multiple lines of music with your eyes, hit all the correct notes with your two hands, 
and then you just throw in an appropriate tapping of your foot. You know, aside from drummers, I can't really think of another instrument that requires the coordination of so many different parts of the body. So hopefully you'll be able to appreciate a smooth, blended, clean sound in my recording of this etude. It's supposed to signify a choir of angels, which is one more similarity to my argument of comparison to Bach's prelude in C major. That prelude is also often described as ethereal. So here is the final etude for the day, number 21 from Bergmuller's Opus 100, Angels' Voices. And that'll do it for today. Next week, we'll close out this series on Bergmuller with the final three etudes from Opus 100. The standalone recordings for the three etudes we discussed in this episode can be found in the podcast feed. We skipped etudes number 16, 17, and 19 for this episode, but if you'd like to hear those, I'll be adding them to my SoundCloud page. You can also find a playlist on there called All Music, No Talk, if you prefer to just have the piano recordings without hearing the sound of my voice. And also, a note to all the piano players out there, if you'd like the sheet music for the three etudes discussed in this episode, click on the episode description of the standalone recordings, and I'll provide links to the public domain sheet music there. If you'd like to get in touch with me, you're always welcome to reach me on Twitter, at Piano Rhapsody, or by email at pianorhapsodypodcast at gmail.com. A sincere thank you for listening to the podcast. I always appreciate you and your support. All right, have a good week, and we'll see you next time when we say goodbye to Bergmuller. <laughs>